Well, this morning, in a spirit of humility, in keeping with Advent, I thought I would bring some evidence of my sins to show you. Not that it's any of your business, but such is the cost of spiritual leadership. Uh, Some time ago, I received in the mail this letter. Uh, I was curious because it bears an Italian stamp and has in the top left-hand corner, Poste Italiene. Now, I had no idea uh, what was waiting for me in this envelope, so I tore it open, read it, and still had no idea what was waiting for me in this envelope, because I don't speak Italian. I could, however, read the numbers, and one in particular caught my eye. 121 euros. The previous summer, I had holidayed in Florence, hired a car, and apparently violated all manner of traffic laws (laughs) in the beautiful city of Pisa. Uh, I've also done this in a charming French town whose name I forget, and in the Irish Republic, where I picked up a still unpaid parking ticket. Of course, John Francis would say that Englishmen have been illegally parked in Ireland for 400 years. (laughs) That's a really big fine. Now you see why the UK felt it necessary to leave the European Union and why I emigrated to a different continent. (laughs) Uh, The ticket uh, gives a website address where the Pisa police helpfully and rather gloatingly show you a photo of the road sign that you disobeyed. Turns out there were signs all over the place that I should have been aware of, but I missed them. Traffic signs, Advent signs. Last week, we heard Jesus mention some of those Advent signs. Scary, apocalyptic, cataclysmic signs. Signs in the heavens and on the earth. But these are not signs, John Francis taught us, of a terrible outcome on its way. But actually, signs of the opposite. The fact that this world is moving towards a good outcome, a perfect new beginning. But we'd better notice the signs, and if we don't understand them, ask someone to translate. Here's another sign this morning that something wonderful is about to happen. That God is going to invade and his kingdom break out. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. I envy life in the wilderness. It's simple. In the wilderness, there's not much to distract you. John heard God there, says Luke. But we don't live in the wilderness. We live in the jungle. 
in the jungle, distractions sprout from every plant, howl and screech from every tree. Life in the jungle is complex and noisy. It can overwhelm me. I often don't know where I'm going and sometimes I don't understand the signs, even though I probably have the shortest commute in New Jersey, have no dependent children and the needs of a householder don't swamp my time off. I can't imagine what it's like to depend on the Raritan Valley Line or the 113 bus in order to pursue the calling God has given me or try to fit in the demands of raising children, or fix things around my home when they break. I live in the jungle, but I don't have to juggle in the jungle. And yet, despite that, I still find it hard to hear the voice of God, like John did, to respond wholeheartedly to the call of God, like John did to single-mindedly climb into the cab of my bulldozer, turn the key and begin to fill in valleys, lower mountains, straight and crooked paths, smooth bumpy terrain and make the path straight for Jesus to come, like John did. Five years ago, I visited some of the national parks in the west and drove along rogues that passed through rocks and even one that passed through the middle of a tree. I guess those early road builders, armed with their explosives, could have made a detour around these obstacles. But why do that when your truck is full of dynamite? Because what you want when you're travelling is a road that is straight and flat. Mountains are lovely for looking at, but when you want to get somewhere, straight and flat is what you need. When I turned 50, I took part in a 100-mile cycling event for charity. Uh, I trained for many weeks. I imprisoned myself in a dietary cell of protein and complex carbs. I examined the labels on every packet of food I consumed, and I got myself into reasonable shape. But there was one detail of my preparation that was equally vital and went way beyond diet and training. Finding the right event. I studied schedules of charity rides in neighbouring states and eventually found what I was looking for on the eastern shore of Maryland. A 100-mile course without one single hill. (laughs) Because mountains are beautiful to look at, but when you mean business, you want flat. John the Baptist was not on vacation. The scenic route was not on his itinerary. See him trundling across the countryside in the cab of his bulldozer. He crushes every bump, pushes away rocks, fills in potholes. Straight and flat is the road he builds, for Messiah is coming. And he has no room for twists and turns, no time for detours and hills. At the end of this straight, flat road, 
is a cross. Heaven knows there will be enough to distract Jesus from reaching this appalling destination without the extra inconvenience of potholes and hills. What are these potholes and hills? What is it we are called to flatten if we are like to do like John and prepare the way for the Lord? Well, Luke gives us an idea. John went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Do you hear it? Can you make it out? Way in the distance, the faintest rumble of an engine, the deep, throaty rasp of a construction vehicle. It's getting closer. The driver has a task. Demolish and build, flatten and fill, straighten and smooth, demolish and build. And here he comes. He builds a highway in the desert. And John, not the most nuanced of preachers, not the most surgical of instruments, rumbles into our lives and points out the bumps. He rubs his chin and shakes his head as he sizes up the potholes and stones, the things that don't serve us. Don't make us happy. Don't turn us into useful people for God. That's how John rolls. Because Jesus is coming into your life. And John prods us to prepare the way. Today we're not thinking about the cataclysmic apocalyptic sense of Christ's coming that seized our minds last week. But the micro coming of Christ. The one that will happen today to you and me. The one God has been planning for us while we were fast asleep. And which we can't even imagine yet. That one, that coming of Christ. And if it is to happen, then there are holes to fill, bumps to flatten, bends to straighten. Because Luke, our storyteller for the next year, is all about today. Look how he starts the reading. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. There's an urgency in Luke's writing. There's a nowness. Today is the day that Jesus will come. God, for Luke, is not an idea. The Christian faith is not a philosophy or a code of ethics, but a human being born in a moment in history. And if Christ can come in that moment of time, then he can come in this one. 
if God acted in the 15th year of Emperor Tiberius when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod ruler of Galilee, then he can also act in the second year of President Trump when Phil Murphy was governor of New Jersey and Bob Menendez and Cory Booker were senators. Today is the day when God can show up. There are many special Advent words that we'll hear in these four weeks. Waiting is one, hope is another, urgency is a third, and another, the one John Francis and I are talking about each week, is the word preparing. Preparing the way. Getting the ground ready for the Messiah. Lowering hills and filling in valleys. So let me ask again, what are the mountains in our lives that need to be levelled in order to smooth the arrival of Christ? What are the valleys and potholes, the divots that need to be filled so that Jesus can come to us now? What are the twisty, windy, meandering roads in our lives that could do with straightening if the journey of God into our hearts is to happen? To put it another way, if God is going to come to me afresh this Christmas... What needs to change in my life? If I'm to experience his love, his peace, his joy, his compassion, what has to go? I hear the rumble of the bulldozer and I know what needs to be flattened. The hill of my ego. There it is poking its head as high as its neck can stretch. The mountain of my self-interest, dwarfing all other motives in my conflicted heart. The twin peaks of consumerism and acquisitiveness, reaching their grasping hands ever higher and higher until they blot out the warmth of the sun. And the gaze of bulldozer John falls too on my deficits, those potholes and divots and hollows that fall short of level ground, the valleys of hard-heartedness, the veils of apathy, the troughs of indifference. When I hear the bulldozer, as I do this morning, I gulp because it hurts. It weighs 50 tons. It moves at just 8 miles an hour. Being recreated into a highway fit for the king is a long process. It demands patience and self-control. If you see the bumps and potholes in your life, then take courage. God is not finished with you. You have been called, chosen, set apart to be a magnificent highway for God. Through you, people will see Christ. In your words, the Holy Spirit will whisper to those around you. Through your actions, God will beckon them home. You were created to be a road for God. 
to be the means by which people will move towards God and God will move towards people. You have not reached completion yet. You still have miles to go. You have a lifetime to become like Christ, which is by amazing coincidence exactly how long God has given you on this earth. Where will you go this week? What workplace will you visit? What leisure venue or social setting will you grace? Into whose home will you walk? Into whose broken and desolate world, onto whose holy ground will you be honoured to gently, humbly tread? Prepare the way for Christ to come to that person, that home, that office, that place of loss or distress. Be the sign people will see. Be the highway in the wilderness. No, be the road in the jungle. Amen.